Hey guys, welcome to Easter 2020. Thanks so much for being a part of our services today. Let's start with our mission statement. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of this unique online Easter experience. You know, it is a unique Easter, let's be honest. Because of the coronavirus, we're all practicing social distancing. So you're probably in your home right now watching. Maybe you're dressed up for Easter or maybe you're in your bum clothes, right? It's okay. Either way, we're just glad you're a part of our services today. Thanks again for being here. You know, it is a unique Easter. So I thought, let's find some things that are unique in the story of Easter. And there are three things, three events that happened when Christ gave his life that are very unique. And I wanted to talk about the significance of what those mean for you and me today. Join me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 27. Let's start off talking about what those unique things are. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 says this. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, what this means is that in the Old Testament temple, there was a holy place. That was where the priest did his work. That's where they would uh, make sacrifices before the Lord. Then there was a place called the Holy of Holies, separated by a curtain. The Holy of Holies, only the high priest could enter once a year after ceremonially being cleaned, being purified. If for some reason God found that they were not pure, then they could literally die in this presence because sin cannot live in the presence of God. And so they would have a rope tied around the high priest's leg to pull his dead body out if the presence of God killed him. Talk about a place that was pretty scary. The very presence of God requires perfection to even be in. So the high priest can only go once a year at best to be there. Look what Hebrews says about this. Hebrews chapter nine, verse two. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and the sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold, gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. And so this is where the presence of God was. And so why then, when Christ died, was the curtain split in two from top to bottom? Which, by the way, it wasn't torn from bottom to top, it was top to bottom, which means that God did the tearing. And so the reason why is this, because you now have access to God directly. You now can be in his presence directly because our high priest, Christ, was the sacrifice for you and I. So if you're taking notes, would you write this down? His presence is now available to you. This is why at the end of our prayers, we say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen means so let it be. So we're saying in Jesus' name, I can come to you, God, because Jesus, my high priest, came before me, giving me access to you to be able to pray. Prayer is so powerful. In fact, right now, maybe you're experiencing some alone time. I mean, honestly, a lot of people are struggling because they're so alone right now. Maybe you've been quarantined from even being with your family, or maybe you're just with a handful of people and you miss some friends, and maybe you're feeling alone, and I understand that. You know what? You can always call out on God. He is there for you right now. You can pray to Him. He, he hears your prayers, and He answers your prayers from heaven. But I also want you to know His presence is literally with you. As a Christ follower, He is there with you at all times. And so the other thing too, I just wanna mention, since we can pray to God, we have direct access to God, 
We can also pray for one another. In fact, I think prayer is such a big deal right now. The one thing that you and I can do, maybe you can't go to work, you can pray. You can't go to school right now, you can pray. You can't go out and shop, you can't just run around town, but you know what you can do? You can stay home and you can pray. In fact, I wanna pray for you, so I've set up a number. I wanna give you a number that you can text me directly and I would love to pray for you. Here's the number. You can text me at 361-201-1195. Let me know how I can personally pray for you and I will be praying for you. But just know this, even even as much as I wanna pray for you, you can also go directly to the Father. He hears your prayer. He is concerned for you because when you finally are all alone, you realize you were never alone. God is with you. The second unique thing that happens after the temple curtain was torn in two, it shows us this in Matthew 27, verse 51. The earth shook and rocks split apart. Now what's unique about that is that rocks are so solid, you would never think that that this would happen. How could something so solid suddenly split in half? Well, it explains, scripture oftentimes explains itself. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. So why would the rock split in half? because what Jesus did was eternal and everything else is temporal. In fact, right now, there's some things that you probably thought you could count on that you're a little nervous about. Maybe you thought you could count on that job. Maybe you thought you could count on our economy. Maybe you thought, you know, this this virus and this crazy stuff, this doesn't happen in America. It happens in other parts of the world. And suddenly you realize, wow, we can really be shaken to, to our core. And so in the same way, when Christ gave his life, rocks were split in half because here's what God's trying to tell us. He's trying to get our mind off of the temporal and onto the eternal. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? Live for what is eternal because everything on earth won't last. Isn't it funny how we make such a big deal about the car we drive, the home we live in, the education we get, making sure we have enough in retirement, all those things. And maybe you're a very responsible person. That's a good quality to be concerned about things like that. Maybe you budget well and you put money aside to make sure you have something. Maybe you're a planner. That's a great quality if you're a planner. Some people are more fly by the seat of their pants, do, just do whatever feels right in the moment. Some of us are planners. You know, I'm a big planner. You know, one time someone was talking to someone who was a planner and they said, tell me about your life. What do you want to do? And this young man said, well, you know, I want to go off to college and get a great degree so I can go get a good job. He says, well, then what? He said, well, then I want to get a great job. He said, that's great. Then what's your plan? Well, then I want to start climbing the ladder in the company. That's awesome. And then what? He said, well, then I, I hopefully will fall in love and get married and, and then continue at the company and, and, and provide for my family. He said, that's great. And then what? And he said, well, hopefully we'll, we'll have children. And by that time, I'll be in management, making more money so, so we can provide for our family. He goes, that's great. And then what? Well, then I want to really start stuffing my retirement account so that I'll be able to retire one day and eventually my kids will go off to college and I can pay for them to go to school. That's great. And then what? Well, and then I'll retire and hopefully I'll have grandkids then that I can, you know, be a part of their lives and be involved. That's great. And then what? Well, I'll enjoy my retirement. That's great. And then what's your plan? Well, the young man said, I, I, I guess I'll die. Okay. And then what? Well, well I, I haven't, I haven't that's, that's it. I haven't thought further than that. 
He said, well, you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're going to be alive. It sounds like your planning is way falling short. See, the truth is we forget that all of those things, as important as they are, they seem permanent, but they're actually not permanent. It's all temporary. It's what we do for God. It's what we do with Christ. That's eternal. Everything else is temporary. You know, my wife and I, we, we love our home and we've had three homes in our married life. I remember when we first got married, we lived in a cheap apartment. We could barely even afford that. And eventually we finished up school and moved to Corpus Christi, started a church. Once the church was starting to become stable, we, we bought our first small home. We, we loved it. We, it was an older home and we fixed it up as much as we could. And we got in it cheap so we could afford it. And, uh, and we began to fix it up. And then a few years into that, we thought, you know what, we really, our dream is to build our own home. And so sure enough, we did that. We saved up a bunch of money and we put money down and we, and we built a, a, a custom home for our family. We loved it. We raised our kids uh, in, that, in that home almost their entire lives. And eventually we, we love that home. But once you build a custom home, you think, oh, this is it. This is going to be my home forever. But the truth is, is once you get in it, you start to realize, well, there's a couple of things I would do different now. So then we thought, well, let's, let's, let's buy another home and we can renovate it. So we did that. And this is our third home now. And it's a home we're in today. And we renovated it and we really like it. But there's still something inside of us that still thinks, well, it'd be really great if we had a room here, or a room there. We could change this or change that. And I've just learned this, that there's no home that really fully satisfies you. That's because you and I were built for an eternal home. No home on this side of heaven is going to do it. It's not that anything wrong with getting a new home or fixing up the home you have. There's nothing wrong with that. But you just have to understand, you and I were built for more than that. As much as we think certain things are really important, like driving a nice car, living in a nice home, living in a safe area, maybe you wanna make sure you live in a certain area so your kids can go to the right schools. You could send your kids to the best schools and they could still lose their soul from there. See, the truth is, is as important as all those things are, they're all just temporary. None of it lasts forever. You and I were built for more than what's on this side of eternity. We were built for eternity. I want to encourage you as you think about that, what are you doing for God that's beyond this world? When's the last time you helped someone other than yourself? When's the last time you were a part of a local church that was making an impact, making a difference? When's the last time you thought about missions and supporting those who are changing the world and of course, you doing your part locally to impact the world as well. When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you prayed for someone? When's the last time you thought about something other than yourself? Because here's the truth. The rocks are going to split. The things that we think are so solid aren't. It's all temporary. All of it will go away. But one day what we did for God is all that will remain. The third thing that happened that was unique in the resurrection story was that tombs were broken open. Christ wasn't the only one that raised to new life. He was the first, but not the last. Check out the scripture. It says in Matthew 27, 53, 52 and 53, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Wow, can you imagine that? Not only did Christ raise again, but after he did, other holy people came back to life, went into Jerusalem, and I always thought, what did they say? Well, here's what I think they did. I think they went back into the town and went to their friends and their family that they had told about Christ. That kind of blew them off. And they probably went up to him and they pulled him a day and they said, I told you so. I told you this is going to happen, right? They basically 
went back and said, I knew it was going to happen. And here I am. I'm proof that because Christ rose again, you and I will too. Not only did Christ rise again and other people after him, but that means that one day when you pass away, you're not going to stay in that coffin. You will rise again to be in heaven with a heavenly body. You are not done. You see, the truth is, is we don't just fall asleep forever. We don't just die and we quit existing. No, we exist for eternity, either in heaven or in hell. Do you know where you're going? Because it's not based upon whether you're religious, whether you're even a good or bad person. It's based upon whether you've accepted Christ, your high priest, whether, whether you accepted the fact that he gave his life for you. That's why Christ died. What was he thinking about on the cross? He was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. He died for you and for me. Then he rose again, proving that he's God. Other people rose after him to prove that because he rose again, you and I get to rise again too. You know, I love going to the movies. And my, my, one of my favorite parts about the movie is to get there a little bit early to make sure I'm seated for the entire coming attractions. Believe it or not, that's one of my favorite parts of the movies is, is watching what's, what the next movie is going to be, what, what's coming, right? In the same way, we say, well, why did people rise again other than just Christ and go return into Jerusalem walking around? What was that about? This is a preview of a coming attraction because all of us who've received Christ will also rise again. It's pretty amazing to think about that, but we will rise again. You're not dead and gone when you die. You actually will be in the presence of God. Then one day when Christ comes back, it's kind of cool and complicated, but I'll just put it this way. He's going to help us. He's going to have us return back to our tombs. We're going to go from heaven back to our tombs and then come out of the tombs to basically show the world we are different. We weren't just dead. We were alive in Christ and here we are. And now we will return with Christ and go home for our final farewell and then Christ will remake the earth into heaven. It's going to be really amazing. I know I'm telling you a lot of theology there, but I will just tell you this. You and I are going to rise again. But I've got some good news for you. Not only are we going to rise again, this means you and I have resurrection power now. It doesn't begin when we pass away. You get the power of God the moment you receive Christ. Let me show you a couple of scripture on this. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And Romans 8, 11 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Of course, what was the result of this? Look what happens. The, the Roman soldiers who were so cruel to Jesus, who gambled for his clothing and spat upon him and beat him and, and, and tortured him and hung him on the cross. Boy, they changed their tune really fast when they saw all this happen when, once he died. Look what happens. See, they, they were there with the earthquake. They were there when the, when the sun went dark. They were there when all this stuff happened. It says in Matthew 27, 54, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. They were shocked. You see, three unique things happened on Easter, right? The curtain was split, rocks were split, right? And then people came out of other tombs and said, hey, we're alive because of Christ. In the same way today, what makes this day unique for Easter is not that there are empty churches, it's that there's an empty tomb. That's what makes Easter unique, is that Christ rose again from the grave. Would you write this down? The last thing I wanna tell you is because Christ rose again, so can you. You may think my marriage is dead. Guess what? Christ specializes in resurrections. He can resurrect your marriage. 
You know, my relationship with my best friend, it's just all but gone. Or my relationship with my kids is all but gone. Christ says, I can resurrect that. My career is dead. I can resurrect that. My finances are dead. Christ says, I can resurrect that. He specializes in resurrections. He can turn your life around. He's saying to you today, because Jesus got up again, so can you. I know a lot of you are scared right now because of our economy and all that's going on in the world. But guess what? Jesus says, oh, no, no, you'll rise again. America will rise again. The world will rise again. I'm not through with you. God has more for you to do. There was a little boy. He was eight years old. His name was Philip. Philip had Down syndrome. His mother and father really tried hard to just to have him blend in with the other kids. And so Sundays, they went to a particular church that had a children's Sunday school class. And he would go to the other, with other little eight-year-olds to the Sunday school class. And this particular Sunday was Easter Sunday. So he was there with the other kids and they were generally nice to him, but he didn't quite fit in completely. They could tell he was different and he knew he was different too, but he really wanted to fit in like all the other kids. This particular Sunday, the Sunday school teacher who was really good about working Philip in with the rest of the kids and making sure that they all got along well, she brought a bunch of empty plastic Easter eggs with her. She said, hey, you know, it's Easter Sunday. It's a special Sunday. So let's all go outside behind the church building. And I want you to look around for something you can put in your empty Easter egg that represents new life. And she was teaching a lesson about how we get new life in Christ. So they went outside and she let the kids run around and pick out things that get put in their Easter egg. And so some of them put a little blade of grass, some of them put a little leaf, someone found a little butterfly. And you know, then, then the teacher would individually open each one up in front of the class and then say, okay, whose egg was this? Okay, why'd you put grass in here? Well, grass represents the green is, 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 is life and it represents life. Oh, that's great. And then the little kid, you know, the butterfly represents new life. And so they went on and on until there was one egg left and she opened it up and it was empty. And the class, several of the kids in the class said, well, whose egg is that? They didn't do it. They didn't do the assignment. And little Philip said, that, that's my egg. And they said, well, you didn't finish the assignment. He said, yeah, I did, I did. They said, well, why is it empty? And he said, because the, Jesus' tomb was empty. The class fell completely silent. They all realized that little Philip got the message of Easter better than all of them. Just a few months later, Philip got sick. And unlike his friends who normally could just fight off a sickness because of the Down syndrome, it was too much for him to take and, and he passed away. At the funeral, there was a lot of people there, but that Sunday school teacher and all her classroom were there sitting together as well. At the end of the funeral, they all went up and they all sat an empty Easter egg on top of the casket for the lesson that little Philip had taught them. This Easter, the message is simple. The tomb is empty. Yeah, sure, church buildings are empty today too, but the truth is, we're gathered worshiping because the tomb is empty, because Christ rose again. No one else has ever done that. For those of you who are doubters, you say, yeah, what's the difference between Christianity and other world religion? That's the difference. You see, Muhammad didn't rise again. Confucius didn't rise again. Christ rose again. He said, I'm gonna die, give my life for you and come back to life. Then he did it. Over 500 witnesses saw him rise again saw him walking around Jerusalem after he had died. It was so powerful, it changed history. We literally set our clocks to this event. BC and AD is based upon, the separation of time is based upon this one unique event changes everything. In the same way, do you have a moment unique in your life where you found Christ, that it changes you from death to life, from your past to your future? If not, you can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. 
Would you pray this prayer with me? You can just say this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.